Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Patsko. And here we go. We are back giving you six topics to discuss. Uh, since the last time we did this, the Browns have played a preseason game, but I don't think that's going to be topic number one. I'm going to go first. Antonio Callaway, topic number one. Uh, we find out today that he is going to face a four-game suspension at the start of the season. We also find out today that he suffered a high ankle sprain last night in the game against the Redskins. Uh, that's normally a four-week injury to begin with, so we might not see him again for a while, uh, maybe for the rest of camp and then early practices, and then, of course, once the season starts, he'll go on suspension. So things aren't great for Antonio Callaway right now, um, and, and it really answers a lot of questions, Mary Kay, that we're kind of out there about him. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I have been... I'm actually a little mad at myself that the red flag didn't go up. And, you know, when he was demoted to the second team, I kept trying to sort of figure out what was going on and asking, you know, Baker and we asked Todd Monken about it. But I don't know why I never thought there could be a looming suspension. When you have somebody that's already in the substance abuse policy or program, you know, it, it should have come to my mind. So I'm kicking myself a little bit that I wasn't a little bit more on it, but I don't know that I would have been able to, to get anything before now anyways. And beyond being demoted to the second team, just comparing him to, to Richard Higgins, do we think, because that's really the, the flip-flop here, is Higgins going onto the first team and um, Callaway not being there after we kind of assumed it after OTAs. Higgins has had the better camp. I mean, Higgins oh, yeah. has played better, period. Um, I know that they came out and talked about him, you know, Callaway being out of shape. Um, but just every day, you know, I, it seems like Higgins is having the better camp. I, and even uh, in, in the game on uh, on Thursday, uh, he obviously performed with the first team, performed a little better. Callaway really needed that touchdown catch to yeah. <laughs> be called his way. He just needed something to go his way, and it didn't. And uh, his 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 day just you know didn't really work out. It, Higgins has been better, and I, I don't know that this is going to be as big of a loss as maybe we might have thought it was you know a few months ago. I, I mean, I just think. You look at their different types of targets. We know that Callaway is a guy that can get down the field in a hurry. Um, we you know, think back to week two against New Orleans last year and uh, what he did against the Texans, even though uh, he fumbled that one ball. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of saw in that one, the whole Antonio Callaway experience in that one play where he made this great catch, right. uh, great run after the catch, and then the ball gets stripped as he's going into the end zone. But those are the things he can do, whereas you know Higgins 
is a little bit of a, you know, I hate to put the possession receiver tag on him, but he's a little bit of that guy um, who's kind of where his quarterback needs him to be. I, you know, I think he's athletic enough that, that he can make some big plays. Like we saw last night, uh, catch and run, uh, juke somebody mm-hmm. pretty much off the field right. and, uh, and ran to the end zone. We've seen him make some plays like that, but Antonio Callaway is a difference maker with his speed and his ability to get down the field. And if he's right, the Browns, that's a big thing to lose for the Browns. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's yes, Richard has had the better camp, but that is because Antonio kind of at some point veered off course. I mean, he was having a really good mini camp, and he was expected to take a really nice big jump in his sophomore year. Uh, Dorsey always talks about like a 20, 25% uh, improvement from your rookie year to your sophomore year. He told me in mini camp that he wanted to have a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. Well, that's going to go out the window. Um, but I think that, you know, that's the difference. You're, you know, we're comparing a fully functioning Richard Higgins to a not himself at all Antonio Callaway. So you're right. I don't think it will be as big of a loss in that regard. But Antonio Callaway, when they drafted him, was thought to be a first-round caliber receiver who dropped and slipped, and that's the type of talent you know, you could have had three sort of first-round type players on the field if you had kept it together. Yeah, you're, you're losing a guy that at any moment, wherever you are on the field, he can score. Um, yeah. Now, no, he hasn't been super consistent necessarily doing that. Um, and, and I think, you know, he's still a raw talent. But uh, he is a guy that I don't care where you are in the field, he can end up in the end zone at the end of a play. Yeah. Uh, Scott, topic number two. Uh, let's talk about Duke Johnson. You know, we... It's, it, didn't really get a chance to, to touch on that. It happened uh, before Thursday's game, and then Thursday's game happened, and <laughs> things kind of overshadowed that. Things I'm sure we're going to get to with, with some of these other topics, but Duke Johnson traded to the Texans for a fourth-round pick that can become a third-rounder if he's active for 10 games, mm-hmm. um, yep. which seems almost like a lot because Duke hasn't missed a yep. game in his career. Yep. Um, we put a poll up. Uh, on Cleveland.com, ask people what they thought of that. If the Browns got enough in return, and it was kind of overwhelming. Yes, even if it was, even if it is just a fourth rounder, mm-hmm. um, fans seem to be happy with that, and I'm I'm sure the Browns are because running backs don't seem to get that kind of return nowadays. Right, and I think the thing with Duke, the reason why you can justify it is because he's as much as a, of a receiver as he is a running back. If he were just a pure runner, I don't think you're getting a fourth-round pick for him. But because he is so valuable in the passing game, this is a pass-oriented league, and you really are giving Deshaun Watson another very dangerous, dangerous weapon in the passing game, they were willing to do it. The other thing that happened is they fired their general manager. And I'm sure when John Dorsey heard that, he was like, "Woohoo! Let's <laughs> Put him on speed dial. Yeah, let's Did you just get call a phone in a... In a, in a a closet somewhere and there's an answering machine for the GM. You, <laughs> yeah. just, you just give them the trade and assume they're good with it. Exactly. Yes. You just actually you just run it right through the PR staff. They were good <laughs> to go with it. Now, actually, we heard that it was uh, John and Bill O'Brien working on this together, yeah. Coach Bill O'Brien. But so, so the point is, and I think that is a great haul for a for a running back slash receiver. They wanted nothing to do with Duke here anymore, anyway. So no matter what they were saying, it was over. How many times have I been writing that, you guys? It was Mm -hmm. over. The minute Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield stood up there at that podium, called Duke Johnson out, it's over, goodbye, good night, done. 
Yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm actually excited to see Duke in that Houston offense. I, I think he could fit really well, uh, especially if they use. It feels like they've they've never been able to find that mix of receivers to put with DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. who you know is probably the best receiver in the NFL or you know top three. Uh, I think I think a lot of people would say he's the best in the NFL, um, but they haven't been able to really compliment him. And now you have Deshaun Watson, who's so good uh, as an improviser. You know he's he's going to scramble around. Yeah. Duke Johnson is really good in those scramble drill situations. I, I think he could fit really well there. And how about this? Houston. They gave the Browns a second round pick. Of course, the Browns had to bring Brock Osweiler on in that place. They gave the Browns a first round pick. Of course, the Texans got Deshaun Watson out of that, so that was certainly worth it. But the Browns have gotten a lot of draft picks from from the Houston Texans. They kind of just keep going back to that well. Uh, Again, I don't think Houston would ever give that number 12 pick back because they ended up getting Deshaun Watson, but uh, it's just strange that they keep going to Houston to get these draft picks. Yeah, and you know, I I think this could work out really well for everybody involved, really. I mean, for the Browns to be able to get the original round, which I think they will end up with the third, for them to get the original round for Duke after he's been in the league for, you know, four years now, that that's pretty incredible. This was really the offer they could not refuse, and they were always, always prepared to trade him if they got the right offer. And let's not let this moment slip past. This is this is the last time we're going to talk about Duke Johnson. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I, I we'll think see. It, I think it is. No more no more talking about you know trade requests or contracts yeah. or what is Duke supposed to be. Right. This well, is it. I'll, we're done. T- I'll tell you what. When uh, in the first week in January, when we're uh, getting ready to head down to Houston to play a, a wild card weekend game, I think Duke Johnson might come up. And uh, by the way, Jordan Howard. 24 years old, 2,000-yard seasons, and a 900-plus-yard season in his career. Sixth-round pick. Yep. This was, a re- this was a really good trade for a guy that the entire league knew didn't want to be here. Yes, absolutely. Win-win for both teams. Uh, good for the Browns, good for the Texans, and good for Duke. Mary Kay, topic three. Topic three. Let's go with Mac Wilson. My goodness, Mac. Every single time I look up, the ball is in his hands. Just play this guy on offense, why don't you? I mean, <laughs> he used to play offense. He yeah. did used to Come play out. offense. They need receivers. Put Mac Wilson <laughs> out there, run some routes, catch the ball from Baker Mayfield. Could you see them lining him up at tight end like the Texans did with uh, sure. T.J. Watt? And, why not? You know, on the goal line, maybe have him and Njoku yeah. kind of running into the end zone. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> Let's have some fun with this. He definitely has the athletic ability. He's uh, he's been something else this last week. Uh, just on the field, yeah. He's been great, making plays, forcing turnovers. Uh, we've gotten to kind of see a side of him in, in interviewing him. That you know, he's a, he's a very quotable guy. Uh, really fun interview, and he actually predicted those two interceptions last night. He told Cone Taki Taki that that he was going to take one to the house. Yeah, and he did. He compared it to the one he had against against Clemson a couple years ago, where he had to, to kind of get by the quarterback and get tackled into the end zone. Uh, his his nose for the football has been has been something else to watch, and coincidentally. Joe Schobert was back today after not playing Thursday night, and Joe Schobert managed to yeah. come up with an yeah. interception. So uh, maybe feeling that heat a little bit. Knew he had to come out here and, and make a play in, in the practice after Mac Wilson. Uh, you know, he's really his arrow is pointing all the way up right now. Yeah, it really is. The thing about him, obviously, is down for down. He's going to have to be able to wrap up, stop the run, and, and, yeah. and really uh, contribute in that way. 
uh, but he does, once again, make an impact. He's dis- disruptive. He can get turnovers. Those count for a lot. And I think he will make his way onto the football field uh, a significant amount this season, and I think that's very good for a fifth-round pick. Okay, topic. Scott, do you have something to add? No, I was just going to say the good thing about this is that we're talking about a backup here. We're talking about a rookie who's not fighting for a starting position so much as just playing time, and that's a big change for the Browns. Topic four, I feel like I'm going to miss something when I bring this out there, and Scott, you're going to say number five and be like, oh, I can't believe I forgot about that. But let's talk about that first drive last night. The Browns come out uh, in the hurry up, and they they run a two-minute offense. Freddie said after the game um, that it was sort of to simulate that. You don't know how many opportunities you're going to do that in the preseason, and if you do, it's not going to be with the starters. Uh, So they come out, no huddle, hurry up. The offense moves really well. They got face one second down. Um, it ended up with Rashard Higgins in the end zone. I really think the Browns need to really focus on this no huddle. I, I think they should do a lot of no huddle during the season. And so Baker Mayfield ran a lot in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it doesn't have to be a hurry up necessarily, but go no huddle. Keep teams off balance. This offense, when they have all their weapons clicking, is going to be so hard to defend. Mm-hmm. Now imagine trying to do it without being able to substitute. And now you're going to get all these receivers in space, these running backs in space, these tight ends in space, and you're going to be stuck in whatever you have out there defensively. I'd love to see the Browns really go a lot of no huddle this year. Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely will use it, and uh, Baker Mayfield is really good at running it. He feels very comfortable running it. He's got the brains. He's got the vision. Uh, he's got the field general skills, the you know the clock management in his head. He can, he can run an offense like that. And, and I think that they will use it whenever. They'll, they'll dust it off and, and they'll, they'll change up the pace of, of how they do things. But I think you will definitely see it. And I think they wanted to come out and serve notice to the NFL that we are here to burn the heck out of your defense this year. <laughs> well, there's a big difference between doing that in the first preseason game and doing it week after week right. when teams, yeah. are, you know, they know that that's something you do. But I think it goes back to just the creativity that, that Freddie Kitchens has, you know, doing something like that and catching teams off guard you know and yeah I'd I'd love to see them uh, play faster like that and I think even more impressive was the fact that you know they had quote-unquote backup receivers in there uh, with Baker and uh, and they still made it happen Um, and he was picking up big chunks of yards yeah those passes too so right um, yeah I think that's the kind of creativity that that we all kind of thought that that we might see when when Todd Munkin and, and Freddie Kitchens got together so Okay. Topic five, Scott. Let's talk Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. All right. The big moment of the game. He stole Mac Wilson's thunder, kind of. <laughs> um, punt return, 86 yards. I, and, you know, people by now, I think, know his story and how he kind of talked his way into a tryout in junior college. Uh, guy who couldn't get an offer from a Division One school. And when he was out there in the fourth quarter... You know, I thought, all right, he's finally going to get a chance to, to return a punt and show everybody what he can do. Because out here on the practice field, you know, you catch a punt and no one's really tackling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're only running it for a few yards and they blow the whistle and you're done. But he got to, to open it up. He got great blocking. And, I, you know, it was, there he goes. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this surreal moment that that's the one thing people wondered if he could really do it. And he did it. And, yeah, it was the fourth quarter of a preseason game. But... But he still went out there and did it, and it kind of became the story of the night. 
Yeah, I think the interesting thing now moving forward, obviously the Callaway suspension is good news for a guy like that. Um, like, like, what does he need to do now in the, the next three preseason games? I think going into last night, he was the longest of long shots, right? I don't think anybody would have put him on their 53 if they were doing that last night. I still don't know. Like, if you told me to do a 53-man roster today, I still don't know that I would put him on there. I doubt that I would. But now there's a chance. That percentage increased a little bit last night because the guy made a play in an area where the Browns need somebody who can make some plays. Um, so if he can continue to do that, maybe he gets a chance to do it up the depth chart a little bit, do it in the second quarter, do it in the first quarter. When you're playing, you know, maybe not starter caliber special teams players, but you're playing better special teams type players. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if he maybe gets more of an opportunity now. And he needs to show what he can do as a receiver, too. He needs yeah. to show that there's value there as a receiver because it's hard to just sort of have, you know, unless a guy is Josh Cribbs, who was one, you know, one of the best return men we've ever seen. But even he was a cover guy and played a little bit of receiver. You, you've got to be able to do more than just one thing. Uh, if, if returning is that one thing. It's hard to have kind of that one dead spot on the roster. Well, I think one of the coolest things about that 86-yard punt return for a touchdown was the response of the rest of the yeah. football team. Mm-hmm. They emptied the sidelines and came over and mobbed him. <laughs> and I haven't seen things like that very often in a game where the whole entire team rallies around a player. Isn't it a penalty now? Didn't we watch a video that was uh, so was, shown to us by officials about coming off the yeah. not that I was talking to another reporter about this, and we kind of mentioned it last night. We were sitting in the press box working, and I think the rule was if you weren't in uniform. So, like, coaches uh, or, like, okay. personnel, like, who aren't in – so, like, the equipment guys or, like, the coaches or the water guys whatever. I think the non-uniformed – personnel aren't allowed to run onto the field. I don't know, though. Don't quote me on that, but I, th- I think I re- kind of recalled that. Well, it just it was just a cool moment it to was. see the whole entire team do that, and he is sort of an inspirational uh, symbol of this football team right now. And I even asked him about that a little bit today. I mean, how, you know, how did you you know, get all this love from your teammates. And I think they just love the story that he had to talk his way into a tryout and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and all that sort of thing. And it's just been a, a really cool thing for the team. So now it's going to be like, okay, is John Dorsey going to be able to cut this guy when he's sort of the uh, <laughs> the mascot, the team mascot, basically? You've got OBJ giving him shoes. He wore, he wore OBJ shoes at that moment when he uh, returned the punt. And then he had on OBJ shoes again today. And Freddie told some cool stories about him, uh, about how, you know, he when he can't sleep, he comes here to the facility, and if people try to kick him out, he'll just come back. And he was here until 6 o'clock in the morning today. Yep. Um, so, yeah, lots of cool things. I thought I heard someone saying that he was going to be interviewed by Good Morning America. Yeah, he's getting his name out there, that's for sure. Yeah, do you think Hard Knocks is just wishing they were here this year? Yes. I mean, he would. they yeah. would build a whole episode around, around that guy. Oh, They'd, gosh, um, they would. But I think what really happened with that with that kick, and maybe not, it didn't solidify it, but he might have helped himself get a step closer to being on a practice squad. Yes. You know, because everybody in the league exactly. saw that. And if he does get waived by the Browns, people are going to take a look at him because they saw the speed and they saw the, you know, he's still got three more games to go. Um, so. Yeah. And you can, always, you can always force the team's hand in that situation. Remember Isaiah Crowell? He was... Destined for the practice squad back in 2014. Yep. Has a huge fourth preseason game. All of a sudden, you can't sneak him through waivers. Right. So you got to put him on that 53-man roster. You can you can maybe force the team's hand if you just keep making plays. Yep. So, topic number six, Mary Kay. 
Let's go with Miles Garrett. He's wearing the 10-pound weight loss very well. <laughs> or, also known as, do these pads make me look fat? <laughs> he looks so fast and explosive off the ball. And when, um, when we got to him after the, uh, after the scrimmage last week, it was Nate Ulrich and I were both like hammering away, <laughs> and we just kept peppering him with these questions about the weight loss. We got him going on that, and just developed a really good, uh, you know, storyline about how he dropped this ten pounds. He's down to two sixty two, lowest he's ever been in the NFL, and it is really showing up on the football field. And boy, watch out! Yeah, last night he drew a holding penalty. Uh, I think it was ultimately declined because the pass was incomplete and I think they were already yeah. Redskins were already uh, backed up but um, yeah just off the ball just the anticipation and then you add the, the speed and obviously a little lighter mm-hmm. um, yeah I think Joe uh, Joe Thomas tweeted out a video of that and said if this is the way things are now in the NFL I'm glad <laughs> I retired because yeah. you know wow it, it was it was something to watch he is fast he is athletic he looks even more so now with those 10 pounds down and Whoever's going to run out there a left tackle for Tennessee. If you're a backup left tackle like what he faced last night, yeah. if you're a starting left tackle, good luck. But if you're a backup left tackle like the Browns are going to face in, in week number one when Taylor Lewan is out, watch out because Miles Garrett is poised to have to just draw holding penalties after holding penalties, sack after sack, pressure after pressure. He has a chance to impact every single play he's on the field. Maybe they... Should sign Joe Thomas for the first game. Maybe. I don't think Joe Thomas wants any piece of it. That's <laughs> the problem. And we said Joe was here today talking to Drew Forbes. We've seen Joe around a little bit. Yeah. He doesn't look like it. Well, he's lost a lot more than 10 yeah. pounds. Yeah, that's we'll true. That he could way. be a tight end right now. Yeah. Yeah, he could. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on Cleveland.com. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.